High Nights! Ho there, and welcome to High Nights, an anchor podcast dedicated to collaborative world building while enjoying soft drugs. This show is recommended for listeners over the age of 18. Viewer discretion is advised. I am Ross, your resident game master, and Takoda is my creative player main and best friend. Together we hope to unlock the hidden genius within us while narrating a world of wonder and hilarity. Please feel free to use any of our concepts or ideas discussed in this show for your own games. High Nights is now available on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon platforms. You can also find us at highnightspodcast.com. That is Nights with a K. You can learn more about us there and listen to our show. If you could, please subscribe and share us to bring more noble souls to our roundtable. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the show, everyone. We are back once again with the High Nights podcast for another rousing episode. Yeah, we uh, made our own wiki characters this time. Yeah, so <laughs> we brewed our own characters. Welcome back to High Nights. This is Ross and Dakota. We brewed our own characters just to make fifth level players for ourselves because we kind of realized we're making all of these settings. We're putting together a world around us, but... We ourselves don't have our own self-inserts, so we took some liberties, went to the D&D wiki, and we started making some broken, busted characters so that just the two of us are strong enough to be an entire party all by ourselves. <laughs> That's the goal, anyway. That's the goal. So I was the spellcaster. My character is part warlock, part sorcerer. What's your character got going on? So I am a druid and a barbarian multi-class. Oh, hell yeah, <laughs> druidbarian. <laughs> there we go. I'm putting the bear in barbarian. I was going to say, you might be like a spellcasting bear at that rate, like brother my, bear stuff. My only spellcasting stuff is like uh, help stuff. Like I, I'm a damage dealer, dude. Okay. I'm excited. That's fair. I mean, we're going to need all the help we can get. It sounds like you're going to tank and I'm going to support you from the back. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll tell you a little bit about my character first since I'm the one who postulated this topic. Go for it. My character is Horace Beers, private investigator. <laughs> okay. Strong start. <laughs> and uh, he is a tiefling coffee lock. Now, a coffee lock in concept is actually a broken character design where I figured out how if you multi-class sorcerer and warlock, the sorcerer side of the class allows you to refund spell slots by burning your sorcery points. So you basically can convert sorcery points into spell slots. But what I'm doing with that is that I'm using my warlock spell slots to fuel my sorcery points and recycling them back into spell slots for my sorcerer side. So long story short, I found a way that I can have infinite spells as long as I'm taking short rests. <laughs> and that's all you need is a short rest, That's right? all yeah. I need, yeah. Like, I only need one short rest and I can just use all my spell slots to recycle themselves and I have infinite spells. I don't have to long rest at all and it's stupid. As the multi-class, I have fucking nine cantrips. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> a bunch of first 
level spells and only one second level spell. And sure, they're all lower level spells, but I don't care. I'm just gonna keep you don't shotgunning have to worry spells. About, yeah, use them. Just use them. I'm just gonna blast lock the whole place, dude. Just <laughs> open up with my burning hands, scorch people to death, and I'll drink some coffee and move to the next room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> my character Horus, I kind of built the concept around this idea of he's casting spells constantly. He won't slow down, and because of it, he's addicted to caffeine and spell casting, so he needs to constantly be casting spells in order to get all his nervous ticks out of the way. <laughs> like, I'm doing prestidigitation on coffee to change its flavor from hazelnut to vanilla cream, things like that. He's just casually always doing something. I'm always casting a spell Is at he a all prankster? Times. Like, are you fucking with somebody? Like, making their coffee taste gross? Uh, given the circumstance, maybe, but uh, the funny thing about Horus is that uh, Horus Beers is a projection of myself. The name is actually an anagram of my first name. I took all the letters and reorganized oh, that's them. That's smart. <laughs> Just to be a little bit clever, because this character, or all, both of our characters we worked on today, they can be self-insters. They can just be Ross and Dakota, and that's fine. Horus is kind of like my work-driven alternate persona, where he's constantly burnt out. He doesn't get the jitters from caffeine, but he needs it to sustain himself. And he's just always deadened with dark circles under his eyes because he won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop working on whatever he's doing yeah. until the project is done. And then when he's done with the project, he just crashes straight up. Like he'll just sleep for days on end because he wants to. He doesn't have to. I actually have an Eldritch invocation that says, I don't need to sleep. I can just stay <laughs> awake forever. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's up making D&D campaigns for his friends, but it's just day-to-day -day human life. <laughs> you go to work, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> he's so busy when he's done with work, he just works on Dungeons & Dragons campaigns yeah, while being in the setting. <laughs> What's his backstory? What can he right. do? Right, so Horace's backstory is that he was born a stereotypical tiefling in a cult. This cult worshipped a patron that we found on the wiki, and that patron was called the Fire Fiend. That's one of my aspects, is that I have more resistance to fire, and I get extra damage from casting fire stuff. But uh, the backstory was that my whole family just indoctrinated me into worshipping the Fire Fiend so that I could spread chaos and hellfire wherever I go. But as I came to mature and grow, I found out that I, as a minor, was forced into signing a contract with an otherworldly patron, and I didn't really take to that too well. So Horus, finally coming into age, decided that he was going to rules lawyer his entire way out of the patron and the worship of the cult. He basically went to his whole family and the patron and said, you made me sign this contract as a minor, therefore it's invalid. I'm going to keep my magical powers and I don't have to be a part of your cult. So fuck <laughs> So I just told him all the F off. Everyone was pissed off at Horus and I got kicked out of the entire cult, but that's exactly what I wanted to do. Since I was so fixated on being in those fine lines of the law language of things, written to the letter, I became a private eye. My character's job on the day-to-day -day job is that uh, he just goes out and picks up quests for other people, digs up dirt here and there, and he solves mysteries. Just kind of like Scooby-Doo shit, yeah, you know? just in a city? Just in the city setting. Nice. In fact, uh, right now, his current bond is that he was hired by the Mobsy family from episode one of our podcast. Mobsies. Yes, he's a teepling. I love him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he got hired by the Mobsy family to go and dig up some dirt on the Jays, the Aarakocra family from across the way. And they trust him because 
obviously a tiefling, but as Horus went to go and find more clues, he started to sympathize with the other side. He's realizing he doesn't want these families to be at war anymore because they both have sympathies to each other. They, there shouldn't be any more bloodshed. So Horus is currently trying to find a way to resolve that conflict peacefully. He's okay. lawful neutral, I would have to say, is his alignment. Like, I put everything to the letter of the law. I try to get the entire story ironed out completely, but I am looking towards my own best interests, and I will get revenge on someone as long as I follow the laws associated. Yeah. You'll find loopholes to get them. Exactly, exactly. So he's petty. He is petty. I, like I am petty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you figured it out. There you go. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. I had some fun ideas for how he's portrayed too, like uh, Horus is usually wearing a long leather trench coat and he's got like a, a private eye investigator's hat on like a fedora, Yeah. and uh, he's pretty well dressed and well kept. I actually had this idea where, um, similar to Hellboy, he grinds his horns down so that people can't see them so he can hide them inside of his hat. Like, he wants to go a bit more unnoticed because as a tiefling they kind of look frowned upon by other races, so he wants to be able to mesh in with the crowd. And for some reason, I'm too dumb to have a disguise self-spell, so I'm just going old-school disguise. Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, that could open up a lot of cool doorways, too, for your character, especially talking to the Mozzies, because, yeah. like, it's almost like you're ashamed of being a... I am ashamed uh, of being a tiefling, to some yeah. respect. Well, that's what they would think, especially with you cutting your horns, you know? Right. So that could be a really cool plot point. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking, is that, uh, run rereading the player's handbook, Tieflings are either really proud of the stereotypes projected on them, or they kind of resent them and feel a lot of alienation from society. And that's kind of what Horus is feeling is the latter fact. I really hope that he can find some place to be. I really want him to find a companion, someone who would adventure with him, you know, who would be a good partner <laughs> to go with Horus, you know? What's your character? <laughs> so, our characters actually clash really interestingly. They clash? A or... little bit. Okay. <laughs> but, like, it's fun. It's a fun dynamic. Right. <laughs> I have Rogar. Rogar. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Just Rogar. No title. Okay. It could also just be Takoda. Uh, he is a druid barbarian, and I gave him the Outlander background. He is a Simic hybrid, Ooh. except edited a little bit. So he's a variant human who was kidnapped for the Simic hybrid transmutation stuff. Okay. So it's it's a custom race. He gets the variant human everything starting and the Simic hybrid starting features. Whoa. <laughs> so for Simic hybrid, it's nothing crazy actually. I just went with um uh, nature like armor. So like a uh, bark like growing up his forearms yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, so for this character, a good representation for you is going to be thinking uh, Garuk from Magic the Gathering. Yeah, Garuk the Wild Speaker. Heck, He's yeah. very cool and interesting. He's, well, <laughs> Ragrakar, or Ragar is... <laughs> Ragrakar. Ragrakar. We keep doing magic. You keep doing magic. I know, that's all on me. That's fine. Hold I still on. love him. He is 6'3", 350 pounds, green eyes, dark tan skin, strawberry blonde hair, and a red beard with white flakes going throughout the whole mane. He's 35 years old. Holy crap, dude. He's stacked. He's like... He's a massive man. He's a much more attractive <laughs> version of you, which yeah, is already exactly. pretty attractive. <laughs> oh He's a big boy. What uh, an absolute unit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He looks human. The Simic part, you can tell. I mean, his arms are a little weird and rugged, and they have, like, yeah. natural armor. So he's a big guy. He's also 
big and dumb like you would assume. I have <laughs> three of my stats are 18s, <laughs> but I also have two 10s and a 13. <laughs> so, oh! So he is... <laughs> you know, I didn't even compare stats, but I'll tell you, I thought I was already starting with a stacked <laughs> yeah. deck. I rolled all of my stats. I managed to have an 18, 16, 15. Everything else is pretty balanced. 11, 12, 10, but... I did not roll. I just made him broken. You just... So, okay. <laughs> his, his strength is 13 because that's the minimum I needed to multi-class into a barbarian. Right. Uh, dexterity is an 18. Constitution is an 18. His intelligence is a 10. He's he's dumb. <laughs> uh, wisdom is an 18. That's important for the druid. And charisma is zero. And it actually makes sense in lore-wise. He has no interaction with people. So intelligence and charisma, why would that even need to be high? Right. I am the intelligence and charisma exactly. character, so our stats complement. Yeah. He's a big boy. He's just got your classic uh, druid and barbarian stuff. You got you my wild shape. I went two levels in druid. Um, and then I went three levels in barbarian. So I got my rage, my reckless attack, my danger sense, all that good stuff. Good. I took the totem of the bear. So he's a big burly bear guy. More That's kind of why he's so large. <laughs> you might say you got the bear necessities. Yeah, there handle. you go. <laughs> um, and then I also got the uh, Circle of the Moon Druid. So we can turn into a bear right away from the second I get it. Yeah. So that plus rage already makes him a crazy tank. Just a giant raging bear with my <laughs> barbarian stats. I can do that twice. So when you kill my bear, I can do it again. I forgot the math, but I think it was something like 180 something damage you would have to do to me in order to take me down with Whoa. my normal stats plus both bear transformations in one combat. Oh, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Because every time you're knocked yeah. out of your wild shape, you still have another wild yeah. shape to go to. So I just, Whoa. and I have dire wolf and all this stuff like right away because circle of the moon. <laughs> so he is a tank and also dishes out quite a bit of damage as well. Including just in Barbarian. I mean, he's he's a Barbarian. Yes. It's what he does is damage. That's what he does best. Uh, I also gave him the lucky feat to start because we're going broken. <laughs> I might as well go lucky, right? Absolutely. And then his cantrips and stuff. He only gets two because of the Druid. But I got just creative stuff. The Mold Earth is just I can make terrain difficult or undifficult in cool stuff like that you can put shapes and colors into the soil you can do yeah. some effects with that well in this thing this cantrip i can't how the hell pronounce this because shillelagh yeah shillelagh i love shillelagh so shillelagh <laughs> is kind of the key component to make this build work i'm not using strength at all then it's using my wisdom modifier as my strength con so when i'm in normal uh combat so you're gonna shillelagh your claws so that you use wisdom for attacks and well, then you wild shape and destroy yep. them. Well, and even in just regular uh, barbarian form, when I'm doing all my crazy attack, my wisdom modifier is 18, my strength is 13. I'm just gonna make it my 18 instead. Fuck yeah. Why not? You don't need strength. You're already I don't stacked. need strength at all. And then when I transform, I, my stats don't even matter. So these you're, only matter for when I'm outside of it. You'll get the bear's strength anyway, so why invest into strength? Exactly. Very nice. So he's stacked. I like that a lot. The one thing that we don't have between the two of us is that uh, we don't have much healing. So I do have cure wounds. Okay, you have healing. <laughs> you can't heal. Right. A tank's gotta heal, dude. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, so you'll heal yourself. That'll be fine. I figured that in our combats, you'll burn through your abilities, and Probably. then when you need your long rest, I'm just gonna stay awake the whole time and be the sentry because I have unlimited spells. One fun thing, I didn't focus on healing, but basically... 
Horus's strength is that I have a combination of two different subclasses. I have the Lore Savant from the D&D Wiki and then the Fire Fiend Otherworldly Patron from the Wiki as well. And the broken combination between the two is that Lore Savant allows me to change any damage type of my spells to another damage type. So bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, electric fire, I can have any of those swap out with each other, so on and so forth. But along with that, with having the Fire Fiend Patron, I get extra damage to all my fire spells, and I'm immune to fire. So okay. <laughs> I'm gonna turn all of my spells into fire spells, but that's not all. I even have a cantrip boost for firebolt. It does extra damage, and also if something gets hit with a firebolt, they start to burn for 1d8 of damage every single turn. So my whole character concept is that I'm just gonna burn people to pieces, just Dude. destroy them. And with how tanky I am, you just chill in the background we're actually a pretty good duo so far. We are a destructive duo, I believe. Partially because we intended to be broken, but I felt like well, I'm kind of balanced. Yeah, uh, I think a party of two people, this is decent. <laughs> so, For not having a healer, this seems yeah. fair. Like, we'll just pretend that we're four adventurers instead of two, and we'll take on most things. It'll yeah. be good. It'll be fun. I do have a lot of, like, uh, speak with animals, classic, and wild cunning, which is pretty handy. Wild so, hunting. Yeah, so I can basically track and talk with anything in the woods. I just get advantage on all of my survival and uh, stealth checks and everything to do with the woods in general. I'm kind of nerfed when we're not in the woods. Oh. <laughs> but still pretty strong. I mean, a bear running at you in a narrow corridor is going to be scary. If anyone's <laughs> going to lead me through the bewitching woods, it's definitely yeah. you. He'll find the way, man. We totally round each other out just because I have double my proficiency for Arcana checks and I'm an intelligence character, so a lot of my stuff is focused on investigation. I even have the criminal background, so I've got some stealth mixed in there too. Essentially, we should be able to dig up whatever dirt we want, no matter the setting. Yeah, it's kind of funny that my intimidation's actually really low. Mine and my is... guy's a huge intimidating force. Like... He freaking should be. Intimidation, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's go into that discussion. Yeah. So there's something about Dungeons and Dragons, especially 5th edition and such, where the charisma-based skill checks are played completely differently than all the rest of the skills. Yeah, and charisma just, is weird. Charisma is weird because it's a subjective reality where your dungeon master goes and says, well, how do you want to convince the guard to let you through the gate? And the player will either just roll the dice and see what it says, or they'll actually say something that they would do for the guard. So there's a lot more subjectivity to it because your dungeon master might like what you say out of character, yeah. but that isn't reflected by what your actual charisma score is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, in some ways it's not fair because you can kind of talk your way through a whole situation even though your charisma might be low. Like you're a pretty stellar guy. Even with your bear druid dude, I'm sure that if you had a good reasoning behind your words that you should be able to talk someone into doing something for yeah, you. Yeah, if you have a good scenario, you know, why wouldn't they just go with it? Yeah. You know? But at the same time, it's like, oh, my character has really shit strength and I can't climb this rope. Why can't I talk my way into climbing up the rope better, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for real though. It doesn't go both ways. Like, charisma is a bit 
too free and liberal, it's very strong. Like, lots of charisma casters, it, bards especially, can get through a lot of Dungeons & Dragons just because they're talking, they're wheeling and dealing their whole way through the encounter. Yeah, I mean, they can sleep with a dragon. So. <laughs> the meme. I don't get that. I like, don't get it either, but it's the meme. It is the meme. Bards, man. Everyone talks about bards fucking everything <laughs> in the dungeon, and I don't even know how people hook up like that. Like, <laughs> Just kill it. It's a monster. Just kill it. <laughs> like, get rid of it. Yeah, I don't understand. You, you guys are delving into bestiality like that. Maybe <laughs> yeah, you need to go it? to a different scenario. Exactly. Like, maybe you shouldn't be playing Dungeons and Dragons for that. <laughs> we already have a lot of bestial races. We don't need to go into the actual animals. Oh, absolutely. Have. Another fun stereotype. Did you know a lot of people say that tieflings and warlocks are horny? Not yours. <laughs> you buzzed them off. Not me. I'm straight laced. Oh, you had a great description for your character. Sadly, uh, my character doesn't look like me in real life. I have like reddish skin, my horns are ground down, I've got silver eyes, and I've got black hair that hangs over the side of my face in somewhat semi-braids. Like, that's what Horus looks like, other than he's got the dark circles under his eyes. Yeah. I just want to think about when our characters actually meet up at the tavern, like we're conscripted, we partner together on a certain investigation, like we're actually hired for the same job and I have to interact with you. I just wanna know what kind of a character is Gornak? Like what's your personality? What so, do you bring to the table? He, all right, he falls into a lot of tropes, but only initially. Yeah. But he's very <laughs> untrusting. He does not like people. He's, he's an animal guy. Like, oh. animals don't lie. They're hungry, they'll kill. Right. People are monsters. Like, he doesn't like people. In his backstory, there's a whole thing about it, dude. Okay. I think once he breaks out of that, it'll be fine. He's just a big idiot. Like, he's <laughs> he's lovable, and I think he's going to be very charismatic without the charisma score, like we were just talking about. I see so the like, gentle he's the giant. Big, yeah, he's the big doof. <laughs> you know? Yours is the overwhelming mountain of energy who has to sit outside the tavern yeah, exactly. and just kind of talking with the horses and petting yeah. them. <laughs> well, people are going to like see him interacting with these. He's talking to these animals with more enthusiasm than he is people. Right. Like he's brooding and like go away, but he's sitting outside crisscross applesauce talking to the horses and having a great time. Oh, you dude. Know? Like Chuck, what? Where's Danny? <laughs> you know, like he's... So how'd you do at the races? Yeah. <laughs> That's so kind. I like that. I feel like, uh, uh, Gornak, what's his name? No, it's, uh, Rogar. 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 I like him. So, I feel like Horus and Rogar would clash a little bit when they first meet up. Oh, like, their personalities major. are not going to mix at all. Also, Rogar has a big fear of fire. That's right, when you kept saying oh, your no! fire things. <laughs> he is terrified of the shit. <laughs> So, afraid of that's, fire. That's his, that's his whole, like, thing. I couldn't have built more words. What's wrong with me? So, that's going to be a clash for sure. You're going to freak him out. He's probably going to be all big and, like, trying to intimidate you. Second fire sparks up, though. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Turn into a monkey and starts flying out of you. That's like. the whole first encounter. 
we meet up at the tavern, we try to get the main objective between the two of us straightened out. Horus is doing most of the talking, and Rogar is just deadpanning, like letting <laughs> most of it roll off and giving one-liners, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to play it off like he knows what's going on, but he doesn't understand half of the words being given to him. <laughs> he grew up in the woods completely by himself for most of his life. Like, you're gonna be saying, like, coffee. Like, what the yeah. fuck is that? <laughs> Here, would you like to try some? He's, he'll drink it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Do you like sweet things? He eats a lot of vegetables and beef. So, oh, he doesn't know much of sugar and bitter. So, that <laughs> stuff's gonna be new to him. Classic coffee spit, just. <laughs> yeah, literally, just he tries to drink it, but it ain't going down. <laughs> just leaks out of his, like, lips. So that'll be a really rough start, and then when we finally accost someone in the streets and the alleys at night, we start going to combat over this. I'm gonna be scared of your giant bear body, but you're gonna be even more scared of me when I'm <laughs> casting fire. Like, fire, yeah. You might go running through the alleyways just in a panic, <laughs> escaping from me. I'm like, wait, no, come back! Destroyed the fences and everything <laughs> that are put up trying to escape. <laughs> I told you to arrest him, not maul him to death! <laughs> I just trampled him trying to get out of there. Yeah, fire is a big no-no. Oh, there's gonna have to be a whole adventure, like a good beginning to a saga, where our characters have to come to terms with each other and learn to live with each other. Because the one thing that both of our characters have in common that we don't really show at first glance is that we both care quite a lot, I think. Yeah. I will say that Horace is very empathetic as a person. He doesn't show it because he's all business up front. But part of the reasons that he's a private investigator is because he cares about the small person. He cares about women and children who have been exploited, like their families have been torn asunder by a lawsuit. And he wants to restore for them whatever he can. He wants to make amends by following the letter of the law to do so. And I think that your character is very empathetic too, but from a more primal wild side. Like you're connecting with people's emotions directly. Well, he also... He was found by bad people, and that's how he was raised in that environment. He doesn't know anybody kindness at all. Okay. So just showing kindness to him at the beginning, like the initial encounter, probably is all it really takes from him. Oh, this guy's cool. Okay. Uh, he's dumb. He's very gullible, <laughs> which is kind of a problem. My character's too smart for his own good. Like, Horace will just sit there and overthink the same situation over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's the Iron Giant, but with nature. The Iron Giant with nature. <laughs> Just fixing the plants that got trampled on. We have to bridge the world. Like, you're out in the woods, and I'm on top of the wall of the city. There's got to be some way for us to connect that way. Well, so he's got a pretty deep backstory with a lot of bad stuff that's happened, but it kind of ends with him escaping these, like, slavers that kind of raised him ah. back to the forest where he's from, which is this big forest. Yeah. But... He's been there for like 10 years or so. Okay. Like he grew up in this forest alone in solitude, but the forest burns down. This is the fire part. It killed everything. Ooh. This massive forest fire. Darkness. And there's nothing he can do. I mean, he can't fight fire. He tries. That's all of his friends like, are dying. That's yeah. why you're afraid so of fire. He oh. ended up retreating out of the woods because the whole forest is burning down and he doesn't have anywhere to go. These people oh. that he ran from are still looking for him. His sanctuary, his forest is completely gone due to the fire. And now he's in a city and he doesn't know a single, he doesn't even know people, period. Wow. He's more comfortable in animal form. Okay. So that's how he's lost in here in the first place. Right. 
He's probably asking for help, and they appointed him to you. You just <laughs> wandered into the nearby guild, and you're yeah. asking for some spare work. You managed to get the courage to finally say something. Yeah. And then we jump cut to Horace Beers in his private investigator office, and all the bills are stacked up on my desk, like, end to end. And my landlord comes around by the desk and starts saying, hey, you need to pay rent now. You need to. Otherwise, I'm kicking you out of your office. And I'm like, oh, great. He's just well, sleeping in there? Yeah. I'm checking. <laughs> I don't sleep. I'm just, like, <laughs> constantly writing stuff. And he's probably pretending to sleep. Like, don't talk <laughs> to me. Guys. That's exactly what. <laughs> The second the landlord comes by, you're hiding. Like, <laughs> you don't want to talk to this guy. Face down on the desk, hand with a spilled mug of coffee nearby, <laughs> yeah. and he leaves. I just jolt back up, and I'm like, totally fine. Checking my wallet, looking for any coins to pay rent with, and I go, oh, I have enough to hire another mercenary. I guess I'll take some muscle with me into the alley and go dig up some leads. Yeah, something. I'm the mercenary. I'm asking for work. <laughs> you're like, I, I am here to help. <laughs> Big guy. Big guy. <laughs> Wow, you're uh, pretty tall for being from the woods. <laughs> yeah. I even had a name for the woods. It was the Domo Woods. The Domo Woods. <laughs> so. Uh, I came from the Cult of Hylix, which is just like a, uh, a scattered substrate of tieflings who basically embrace the fact that they're evil. They're major devil worshippers in the sense that they call upon this fire fiend and they want to ravage the worlds around them. So... Horace just ran away to the city because order is what makes the most sense to him. I'm not expecting to encounter anyone like Rogar at all. <laughs> you are a fish out of water for sure. Well, Rogar, yeah. Uh, even more so. These woods, these Domo woods, are filled to the brim, the tippy top, with beasts. And it's dangerous. These are some of the most dangerous places in the area. Ooh. And nobody has even ventured all the way to the other end of the woods. That's how dangerous it is. Most adventurers have to turn back or they're never seen again. Oh. But that's where he's from. <laughs> so it he, was a, it's all these people of uh, druids, like a nomadic like village that thrives here because uh. they're one with nature and can. But, you know, they all die and it gets burned to the ground because of a warlock named Gary. <laughs> Fucking Gary. <laughs> Fucking Gary, dude. And he takes me as an infant out of the woods and that's the slave situation oh. that he found himself in before he escaped back to the woods. Wow. So his bloodline is here. That's where he's... That's this massive being of a man, but he is foreign to his own land. And then it burns down, and he's even more of a fish out of water now. Wow. That so. is... That is very disparaging. That is so sad to see... Of course, all characters should have a sad backstory. Oh, this is super... I went, I went full trope. I was like, I might as well. I'm making a big dumb oaf so why not <laughs> i'm getting some thoughts of like a classic anime character's upbringing where a lot of anime characters just end up in the middle of the jungle or the forest and they're fighting these giant lions and gorillas and snakes and they just beat they ass on the regular and that's what i see rogar he's, doing yeah he's luffy training with garp <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically he's just in the woods chilling he doesn't actually fight too many of them i mean he's got all of the wild shapes and can talk when he has to fight he'll fight but he just lives there. And nobody discovered him for all these years because the force itself is so dangerous. Oh, wow. Until it burned down. I don't know why. It did, though. Somebody's fucking around with fire by the woods. You might say <laughs> that someone has a backstory tied to fire. <laughs> yeah. What if we work on this? What if... Uh, Maybe the, your tribe... What were they? Uh, the, the Cult of Hylix, yes. Yeah. So... 
I can imagine that uh, what they're trying to accomplish with the worship of the Fire Fiend is that they want to scorch the entire world. They want to tear it asunder and destroy everything. They're all like chaotic evil. They have some organization with them, but that's only through the will of the fire elementals and like the, the plane of fire itself. That's one of the few things that the cult actually has a handle on, or what their organization comes from, is the plane of fire. They can actually travel through it. The bonus that my character has is that I'm actually immune to fire, which explains how they would travel through that plane without being endangered. Yeah. So, what I imagine they've done to kill the Domo Woods itself, the Domo Woods had to have been some other primal force. Maybe it was the realm of Earth where your character yeah, is centered it thrived. in. Yeah, maybe there's a strong tether to the plane of Earth there, or Gaia, the force of wild, the Feywild, something like that. And the Cult of Hylix moved to these woods and opened a gate to the plane of fire and just let fire run rampant to destroy it there. To like, destroy it, take it over. To take it over. So they want to live on this scorched earth after destroying what used to be a great contender. Yeah. So our backstories have to be entwined to some respect that way. We can grow forwards and both of our characters can learn more about our past in the sense of what happened to both of our families after we ditched them. Yours, well, after I ditched mine, mine and yours was murdered and destroyed. <laughs> Gary, he's still out there. There has to be a good coming-of-age moment where we go back and visit the Domo Woods, try to see what we can resuscitate from that. Yeah, that'd be a big moment for him, too. I'm gonna have, or Horace is going to have a lot of reflections actually finding out that his people did this, and Rogar, you have to find some other tether. You have to find more out about your bloodline or the purpose of the Domo Woods. Yeah. Why is it such a sacred haven or a sanctuary for all these strong beasts? It's at the edge of the frontier. The Domo Woods is someplace that people haven't seen the other side of, so maybe your people hold the secret to what's on the other side of the woods. Yeah. You don't even know yet. You weren't no, he hasn't even been that far. You've not he's been, been that far. Because when he retreated there, this wasn't his home that he grew up with, you know? So I imagine he stayed in kind of the outskirts of the forest in that area, the non-forest. Yeah. And that's how he <laughs> like, gets his food, and that's just where he lived. Yeah, in the meadows. He's the, he's the like, the Bigfoot of the area. People just <laughs> see this big motherfucker, and they're like, oh... You, you kind of look folk, like Bigfoot, yeah, too. Yeah, like a little folk <laughs> hero type guy. <laughs> so when he comes strolling out of the woods, it's like, oh, shit. People are like, that's the handsomest Bigfoot I've ever seen. <laughs> He's a hairy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he probably saw one of the Tiflings, and that's his only lead. Was Ooh. there was a red guy with horns, and he set my fucking forest on fire. You gotta be, <laughs> you gotta be somewhat angry with me when we first meet in the bar because I am a tiefling, you yeah. know. Like you probably pick me up by my collar and push my smug ass against the side of the wall and like, where are you from, dude? Imagine how scary that'd be. You're just chilling, and this Hulk of a man grabs you. <laughs> oh shit! I snap out of all of my weariness days. I'm just like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> like just. <laughs> I forgot. That's Usopp. your favorite catchline. <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. <laughs> That's one of the best feelings to have in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Just, I'm gonna die, and then you don't. You're like, oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah, like that's my wake up call. I've gotten so used to the day to day living in the city and not having any jobs. I've not even seen any action. And all of a sudden I'm talking with Rogar and I, my life is being threatened right now. <laughs> and you don't even, his English isn't even great. So like he's trying to articulate and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Woods? <laughs> 
snap my fingers, I conjure a flame. I'm like, stay back, buddy. Yeah, dude, that would, he dropped the shit Whoa. out of you, <laughs> All right, now that we've established someplace, then uh, let's go back to the introductions again. My name is Horace. That'd be a fun uh, way to get our characters together for sure. Yes. Man. Can we dungeon master ourselves? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's... That's just telling a story. Is that how this works? <laughs> That's just telling a story. We could write a story together. That's just writing a book. Yeah, exactly. Books are just Dungeons and Dragons campaigns that you play with yourself and you record. <laughs> it's true. Hey, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Dude, this would be a fun, especially it takes place with our mobsies. I like it a lot already. Yes, that's what I was wanting to do was tie it back to our original content because I want that city to be a hub or a center in the High Knights universe. Yeah. And we can move from it, but this Domo Woods, the Domo Forest, yes. that seems to be a world away. Like I, It's, yeah. I picture it being its own, like the the rainforest. Like it's massive. Yeah. Especially to traverse on foot. I picture that being its own thing, like pretty far away. We're going to travel across the continent. We're going to have to go through some mountains and valleys to get there. Maybe a few other side quests, and then we'll finally get to the Domo Woods. This is like a pilgrimage that we're going to take for you. You've basically helped me in town. The first arc of this story between Horus and Rogar is that we're going to resolve the feud between the Mavsi family and the Jays. And then that's you doing me a favor. After that, Horus is going to get a little bit more empathy for you and realize, wow, Rogar needs some help. Rogar needs to find himself and learn more about his people. So let's return him back to the wilds. Let's go back and see what happened to his family. And that's what kicks off the second leg of our journey. I could see us having quite a good and romantic high night adventure together. That'd be fun, yeah. And it'd be, I mean, you can have a classic moment when we're fixing the Mavsi family issue. You and what army, you know? <laughs> and then Rogar just comes around the corner, like, <laughs> all big and scary. We go to accost the Mavsies, and Rayless is just like, I've got an army, and I go, I've got a Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to sit down and shatters the chair. <laughs> You has are to a slow, mutant. Has to stand up slowly. <laughs> yeah, he's a mutant. Like, he's a big boy. You are a big boy. <laughs> That's what's terrifying about you. You are the juggernaut. <laughs> he, man, we go to that planet with the giant fruit in the last podcast. Oh. He's he's the one chilling, eating it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the juggernaut, You're for like, real. You're like, my purpose is complete. Yeah. You're just chewing berries. He found the forest he belongs in. <laughs> This megafauna forest. <laughs> yeah. Horace is shitting his pants the whole time and he's just like, singe the earth, burn the earth, protect us. <laughs> Holy flames that be, I summon thee. And I'm just like <laughs> scorching trees to keep walls away from the animals. <laughs> Dude. Like, stay back. Uh, I like Rogar. He's fun. I think Rogar's a lot of fun. Simple, but fun. I mean, just your gentle giant. It's pretty easy to roll. I mean, right. You know, but a lot of fun. Horus is kind of a snob. He's a bit more of a whiz kid where he's intelligent. He knows he's intelligent, but he's not very wise about it. So I kind of play up a lot of my strengths and then I don't realize, wow, sometimes Horus can be an asshole if yeah. you catch him in the wrong moment. Like, because I'm constantly hopped up on caffeine and casting spells, if someone interrupts me in the middle of my project or my thought, I'm gonna snap at them and be like, do you mind? Yeah. I'm a busy man here. Don't you see that I'm a private investigator? Leave me alone. Yeah, something douchey. <laughs> Rogar, go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Dude, see, Rogar's actually got a really high wisdom. He's very wise. 
but he's not very smart. He's very easily fooled. Like, I picture you using sarcasm, and he's not gonna get it. <laughs> like, he's just gonna go, he's like, really? <laughs> what? I'll be like, oh, you know, I, I have a few uh, strategies to explain before we go into this back alley, but I'm sure they'll go over your head. He's looking over my head. You know, like, he's, yes. just, he's got your Drax humor. <laughs> Nothing goes over my head. If it would, I would catch yeah, it. Exactly. I would catch it. Like, <laughs> if it goes over your head, I'm taller. Like, <laughs> and Horace is just sitting here face palming the whole time. Yeah. Just like, ugh. Dude, or like, it's raining cats and dogs out, and he's gonna freak out like those poor animals. <laughs> Runs outside, breaks out the door, trying to help all these cats and dogs. Rogar, no! <laughs> Jumped out of a twenty-foot castle. Oh. <laughs> Your character's gonna be the kind of guy to pick up pets and bring them yeah. along with. No, yeah. On the way home after the journey, he's gonna have like six cats and a wolf on his shoulders. <laughs> like it's okay, buddy. I saved you from the rain. <laughs> yeah. He just has a fuck ton of pets. <laughs> like, oh, wow. He's one with nature. Yeah. You are one with nature. There's going to be plenty of puzzles that you can solve that poor Horace won't have the brains to get through because he'll be sitting there analyzing the puzzle over and over again and the puzzle is just befriend the guardian. Yeah. Dude, it'd be funny if like we're in a situation like that and it's it's like it's an easy puzzle but hard to figure out what to do. And Rogar's <laughs> just sitting on the ground talking to the birds. He's like, yeah, we're supposed to go over there. <laughs> like, easy peasy. The birds just know exactly how to get yeah. through the maze. I was nice to them. They're just like, oh yeah, follow us. You know, <laughs> following these blue jays around the maze. <laughs> I've been talking to this tree and guardian of the maze for three hours and I just start to fume. Like steam <laughs> rolls off of the top of my forehead and I'm like, you wasted so much of my time <laughs> telling me these directions. I've memorized them exactly and the birds should just lead us there. <laughs> I'm going to burn you to death. <laughs> Dude, he probably didn't even, he thought you were just talking to the statue like he was talking to the trees. <laughs> so like he wasn't even a buggy, you're getting frustrated, he's just chilling. <laughs> he's just chirping. <laughs> right. <laughs> or you have the classic situation where you have two guardsmen show up in front of a pathway and they say, one of us tells the truth only, one of us tells only lies. This is the classic barbarian yeah. just slashes one of them and says, is he dead? Yeah. The guard says, no, this one lies. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a good solution. That is wisdom at play. There you go. Yeah, he's wise. We're going to have to meet some wonderful companions, other characters, NPCs along this quest. I don't know how the story is going to be put together in the sense of I don't know how we would get Dungeon Master for this, but if we ping pong this, if we played it just you and me, there's a good amount of spontaneity that would go into play. We can just have some other side characters on the by and by to throw into the story whenever we need them. Yeah. I mean, we'd have to have a, a lot. Like a, a couple reoccurring characters, like hubs. Yes. I feel like we're gonna be on our feet a lot during this quest what we always talk about you and i always mention a barbarian in our podcast so we're just gonna have uh grognak the barbarian be one of those cut and paste characters you yeah. throw into the story he's just the barbarian he's, he's just there now. the barbarian we are the high knights he is the barbarian yeah we've got our tavern keeper we've got a town to move out of i think that we have the bulwark for a game between us yeah I, we got a lot of content down for this already. But we'll stew on that. We'll come back to that later. That might be fun for a special. Oh, yeah, an actual campaign setting for it all? Yes. That could be fun. If we get big enough, 
viewers, remember to tell all your friends about the High Nights if you want anything like this to happen. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we can get a YouTube channel going. Wouldn't that be great <laughs> to hear the clatter of dice across your earbuds? Man, imagine putting all these ideas to a game. Yes. That could be crazy. Ooh. I have dabbled a little bit into game podcasts. I think that both of our characters are candidates for that. There's definitely a few other widgets, fun things that we can edit in, like the sound of combat, the slashing of swords. I'll make it a whole soundscape, make it a whole situation. Yeah. I mean, we could even just do a bunch of one shots and uh one shots just give ideas to people on how to run a game and cool ideas to incorporate oh, absolutely you know here's another thing is that uh there are a few episodes of high nights that never made it through because of recording issues so i think you did a lot of good work on those like a whole dungeon that you brewed up yeah, that was fun. we need to go back to that i think that we could test this and run through your dungeon and then we can actually go to the greater world once we see how that goes you had a 10 floor dungeon plan with a boss and everything yeah that absolutely was pretty cool. that was pretty cool 10 floor dungeon <laughs> <laughs> i mean why not we're gonna level up a few times through that <laughs> yeah that's fun because actually when we're playing our characters together in whatever situation, we're actually going to have to use experience points to determine when we level up. Yeah. That seems fair to me. I'll give it a go. Yeah, that'd be fun. Just as a fun little calling card or a way to end off our characters, what are some fun ways that our characters would relax? You know, when your characters bed down for the night, they have a long rest. My character doesn't need that, but you will. We're going to have some moments at night in the game where we're just kind of going about our business, tending the fire, cooking foods, things like that. What does Rogar do at the campfire? Like when he's relaxing when before it's, he goes to bed? Yeah, it's, if you were to roleplay your downtime, your long rest period in the game, you just narrate what you're doing in the background, right? It depends on how close he is with you. I think that he would start getting some of the the ant, like the birds to just start chirping just to bug you while he goes to sleep. <laughs> like the these, birds keep me up at night. These soothing like sounds for me because it's nature. I ask him to just amplify it a little bit. <laughs> Wait, so you've been having dealings with a rooster and an <laughs> owl behind my back. Yeah. So they're just making obnoxious noises. I'm sleeping <laughs> soundly through it. Woodpecker right next to you while you're sleeping. <laughs> Horace is just scrawling away on one of his notepads, and the owl, hoo -hoo, <laughs> I snap my twig pen. <laughs> he just plays a little bit of pranks on you. And the best part is, he doesn't even know how frustrated to get because he's sleeping, so he thinks it's just funny. <laughs> Dude, he doesn't even know how mad he is. My character wouldn't even notice. My wisdom is so low that by the time we're friends and you stop that bullshit, my character will be like, wow, I feel so at peace somehow. Yeah. I had such a great sleep and I just became great friends with Rogar. I wonder, I wonder how I got so much good sleep. He wouldn't even know. Would not even know. It'd be funny. I don't know. I picture him just talking too, though, like to nature, you know, like birds and stuff. Yes. Not even planning ahead, like nothing like that. Just literally just talking to them. I wow. wish that was more available. I wish that talking to plants and animals was more accessible. Like maybe talking to animals should be a cantrip in some respect, you know? Well, I have the mold earth cantrip, which lets me just kind of till up the entire terrain. And I picture him when not in combat and it's not a dire situation before he does that to like make a bed to go to bed in. He's probably asking if it's okay in the area. Oh. Because he doesn't want to hurt the plants and the 
nature around here. I love that. That's yeah, he's huge. a very soft guy when it comes to nature, but yeah. he's very brawly and harsh when it comes to humanity. Got it. That's really tender. It's just a contrast. Here. Absolutely. Uh, on the a contrast, on the other end of the spectrum, because Horace never has to sleep, what I end up doing is that I'm constantly working and writing throughout the night. I'm the fastest investigator in the entire town just because I don't need to sleep. I just work the whole time. So whenever it's a short rest, I just have a coffee break. I sit there, I roll a blunt, I get my coffee, and I take 10 minutes to recharge all my spell slots. But during the long rest while you're sleeping, my aspect of the moon says I only need to do light exercise or like light activity to get my full day of rest. So that's when I'm writing all the Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. There you go. So my backpack is just 90% books. So <laughs> wait a minute. Your your guy here, he has a uh, a successful business in the city where he doesn't need to sleep and gets all this done, but he's still behind on his bills. Is he a slacker? That's the question. Like, is he just, uh, does he have the, he's did his job. He's got stacks of the proof. He just has yes. to send it out and he just hasn't. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, that goes to say he is unsuccessful, partly because he's a slacker and also partly because he's built up a bad reputation in town. It's not until Rogar comes into my life, into Horace's life, that I think Horace turns over a new leaf and says, hey, we can start doing work for the betterment of humanity. Like, this might be an alignment shift where I become become a good character instead of a neutral character and your character's kindness is something that would bring me to that so I think that'd be a great way for us to evolve and move past because Horace starts out flawed and bitter like he's only he's got all the tools to succeed but he just doesn't because he's too proud of how smart he is and he's too lazy to actually get his bills paid would be cool if he was too smart to uh like he had all the stuff done he's got everything where he needs it to go and he solves the cases but he did it not for the money. He did it because it was a brain teaser for him. Oh. So he's he just doesn't send him out. <laughs> when, Pro bono. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not the problem. He ends up finding out later that these people are actually suffering, and he needs to help them, and that's how he gets. Oh. That's how he learns from <laughs> Rogar, and then he ends up <laughs> committing to his job to help people, not just for his own brain stimulation. Ah, right. Very Sherlock Holmesy. I like that. That's much better than my answer of saying he just got all the papers mixed up. He wasn't wise enough to organize them. <laughs> I mean, that'd be funny too. Like he does send them off, but he sends them all to the wrong address. <laughs> you just send your husband cheating on you to somebody whose husband is not cheating. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, we're definitely going to tune in on our adventures at another day, but I'm glad that we got to meet Horace and Rogar. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We need to put these guys to an actual campaign. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me again. We'll have to see the rest of you High Knights of the Round Table another day. Yeah, have a good night.